0: Radio studio at the George Washington Broadcast Center. Jack Armstrong and Joe Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show.
1: So the NCAA tournament kind of kicks off today. I don't know. It's the first four, Jack. Uh, Uh, Is that what they call those play-in games now? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. All right. Anyway, I used to have a more definitive starting date, which I think... Created more excitement, but anyway, they're they're the experts on this. Um, Sean is going to do his beloved by listeners bracket where he only goes by the mascot. Which mascot would beat which mascot? In, in a
2: fight to the what, Jack? To the death.
1: And for instance, the Wichita State Shockers are taking on... Uh, the Drake Bulldogs. What, who wins between a Shocker and a Bulldog? We'll stay tuned. Also, the United States and China sitting down today for the first time <sighs> in the Biden administration... Uh the Olymp pig is not going to happen. <laughs> oh, my. As the guy who came up with the idea for the Olymp pig has been forced to resign over that stupid, stupid, offensive idea. We'll tell you about that later this hour. Uh, As usual with Sean's mascot matchup, a lot of our time is spent determining just what the hell each
3: mascot is and what its death-dealing capabilities might be. That's why the simulations take so long. Some of those things you have to manually input, yeah. (laughs) With your computer models. Uh, so I came across this. Actually, somebody probably alerted me to it, and I'd like to give credit, but uh, it's appreciated. If you ever see something so great, you think we ought to be talking about it, send it along. Mailbag at Armstrongandgetty.com. Mailbag at Armstrongandgetty.com. Or if text is more your style, 415-295-KFTC. But it's a piece by uh, Christopher Jacobs in The Federalist. He's talking about, um, how, long and short of it is, the woke white urban suburban voter has become so obnoxious they're driving black brown and asian people out of the democratic party i don't find that surprising no i don't either the more i think about it the more true it rings but he he, he opens with a quote from the new york times writing that democrats are worried very worried about the future of the hispanic vote as it turns out, the radicalized woke among upper class whites have done such a good job alienating both African-Americans and Hispanics that they're leaving the Democratic uh, coalition. Uh few statistics. Now, granted, it's not like the, the, the Republicans are going to win the black vote 70-30 next time. Uh, the numbers are still It's small. been 90-10 my whole life. Yeah, but the numbers, the changes are small, but they're growing um, bah, bah, bah. democratic support among self-described conservative Hispanics. And there are quite a few of those folks
1: shifted by a whopping 50 points over eight years. That, that's not surprising. either. We've been we've been saying that for years. The Republican Party makes perfectly good sense for most Hispanic families who mm-hmm. tend to be religious, who tend to stay together as families, who tend to who tend to do, you know, family style, kid style, lifestyle Um, They work really, really hard. Mm -hmm. They believe in working hard to get ahead.
3: Yeah. They want opportunity. Uh, Conservative African-Americans likewise uh, showed migration away from Democrats. uh, While the African-American vote away from Democrats is on a smaller scale, the the Democratic Party's complete dependence on winning the vast majority of Hispanic and African-American votes to achieve electoral success makes any migration away from Democrats a cause for alarm. Ah, let's see. Then he quotes a couple more statisticians. Uh, While Democrat vote increased by seven percentage points among white college graduates in 2020, the party support among African-Americans dropped by one to two percentage points among Hispanics, eight to nine, and as much as 14 to 15 points in South Florida and among Asian-Americans by roughly five points. Um, the Republican coalition is getting much more diverse than it's been, and the Democrats much more white in college age. Here's where are college-educated, and here's the part that I really love. In observing that highly educated people tend to have more ideologically coherent and extreme views than working-class ones, Shore finds that uh, the migration of woke, college-educated whites in the Democratic coalition has radicalized the party, thereby repelling non-whites from the working class. As Democrats have traded non-college-educated voters for college-educated one, white liberals' share of voice and clout has gone up. And since white voters are sorting on ideology more than non-white voters, we've ended up in a situation where white liberals were more left-wing than black and Hispanic Democrats on pretty much every issue. Taxes. Healthcare policing, even on racial issues or various measures of racial resentment. That's right. The woke white college girls have more racial resentment on the part of black people than the actual black people do. Well, that, that's
1: known to people who've been paying attention, I think.
3: So as white liberals increasingly define the party's image and messaging, that's going to turn off non-white conservative Democrats and push them against that. And that's a uh, a Democrat writing that, and it quotes a bunch of Democrats. But it's so easy to picture, and I wish the Republicans were smart enough, young enough, or capable enough to communicate. Hey, you know, Americans of color, number one, you're our you're our brothers and sisters. You know you you are entitled to every blessing this country has to offer. We believe that a hundred percent on the demo- on the uh on the woke uh you know college girl side. They're telling you about critical race theory, and you can never get anywhere without white people letting you get somewhere. And we need to have much higher taxes, and everybody should be on the government paycheck, and the schools should be teaching ideology. Meanwhile, hey, over here on the right, we're saying we want you to have opportunity. We want your kids to get a great education. If your kids are in a crappy school, we want your kids to go to a good school. We believe in you, and I tell you what: if anybody's ever screwing with you because the color of your skin, you come to us, and we'll whoop their ass. And I don't mean literally, but legally speaking, if the Republican Party could get its act together and deliver that message, please, the migration would go from two, five, eight percent to like seventy percent. Who's with me?
1: Well, you know who's not woke: the Tokyo Olympic Committee. So, a couple weeks ago, the 83-year-old head had to step down over sexist comments. I remember at the time they were shocking and hilariously out of touch with the modern world, but I don't remember what they were.
3: But now... Well, the, he was saying that um, he doesn't want women on the committee because they just talk and they talk and they talk. And so, we really, that's why I have men on the committee. Is that
1: what he said? Yeah,
3: that's one of the things he said. <laughs> but then, that's right, he, he apologized and said, all right, we'll have some women on the committee... Then he said something else off-putting, and
1: they finally heaved him out. Well, so now you got this other guy who's a child by comparison at age 66 who has resigned because he had come up with this idea for the Olymp pig as kind of a mascot that they thought would be fun for everyone at the Olympics, the Tokyo Olympics, which are this next year or this year. I don't even know I when they are. think this fall? Maybe. um. So they have a, a popular female comedian there who's a very uh, full-figured gal. She's kind of like uh, Lizzo, the Lizzo of, of Japanese comedy. Hmm. Really big girl. And he was going to have her in, like, a snout and ears be the olympic pig and, like, oh. walk around the track and wave to the fans, fans and stuff. That's unfortunate. <laughs> you think? Do they have different uh, feelings and metaphors and things about pigs in Japan? He wanted her to don pig ears and serve as the event's olympic pig during the opening ceremony. Well, part of the opening ceremony, walking around as the whole world is watching in her ears and snout. (laughs) Oh my God! Look, here's a fat girl in a pig snout. Well, when you put isn't that that charming? When you put it that way, it doesn't sound like a good idea.
3: Well, well, now I don't want to be culturally belligerent. If you call a woman a pig in Japan, is that saying
1: she has nice leathery skin? He's just an old man who thought it was funny that this. (laughs) <laughs> really really heavyset girl would have a big snout on. Oh, God. And he has now stepped down. He calls his remarks very regrettable. He said he'd been in a group messaging chat with colleagues when he shared his idea, which he notes received rapid pushback. <laughs> so the other people in the committee said, no, no, that's terrible. And then,
3: wait, 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 we'll have a really tall girl with a giraffe head, and then, then wait, a girl with really large breasts will dress her up like a dairy cow. That's it! Get out! Get
1: out! out he says he realized quickly he'd been wrong and nixed the idea but the the idea leaked out that he'd ever had it and he's been forced to understand it's a misunderstanding but that's that's pretty funny japan is such an interesting society my wow. little brother is coming over for a visit
3: uh, in a couple of a few days next week i guess and um I got to talk to him more about living in Japan. He was stationed there with the navy for a couple of years, and they really tried to invest themselves and their daughters in getting to know Japanese culture. They figured this is a unique opportunity; let's do it. They didn't stay on the base; they ventured out a lot. I really it is unique opportunity. Yeah, their sense of adventure for that, but it it was it's been for centuries one of the most insulated cultures in the world. They they're not fans of diversity in Japan.
1: So, uh no, I got something on their haircuts coming up later. Their their, their official uh state haircuts. It's really kind of interesting. In Japan? Yeah. Huh. Yeah. You have to have straight black hair and if it's not black enough, they boot you out of school. Talk about a lack of diversity. Wow. Everybody's hair has to be exactly alike. Um what was I going to say? Oh, did your brother become a sushi snob? I knew one guy that was in the military in Japan, and and, and he wouldn't eat sushi in America, because I I, I I got into sushi in Japan, and it's so much better. I just I can't even eat it in America anymore. He, he, Which is short answer to the top. But. The short answer is yes. Okay. Yes. But
3: since he's been back for a while, he's softened a bit on that stance. But is yeah, it, that it was much unmistakable. Better? Uh, well, he Is that says, what he said? Yeah. yeah." yeah. Okay. He said I've he to get so. sushi
1: in America and thinks, oh, God, it's just not good. Well, it reminds well, me of my experience, particularly in the rural areas of Italy, eating Italian food. I've never had anything within a mile of it in the United States, even at expensive Italian restaurants. Mm-hmm. Nothing even close. Anyway, yeah. um, that ends our Thursday food segment that we do. Imagine
3: that. You get better Japanese food in Japan and better Italian food in Italy. Who'd have thought? But you'd uh, think, you
1: you think you could get an Italian guy to come over from Italy and do the same thing in the United States, wouldn't you? Oh, yeah. Yeah, but would American consumers want it? No, they wouldn't. Okay. Um,
3: there. Meanwhile, there's a 45-minute wait at the Olive Garden. <laughs> Oof. And when, I, when you're there, you're family, Joe. <laughs> you know what? <laughs> Sean, I sit
1: corrected. Thank you. We should run through the brackets real quick when we come back because it is a uh, March Madness time. Uh, I got to do the. I want to do the story about China and the United States meeting today. I think this could be a fairly big deal as we as we uh, the world becomes more and more bipolar and everybody wakes up to it. Lots of stuff. Uh, yes. Oh yeah. Know? I was
3: just I was just going to say. you uh, Plus we have a, a chat scheduled with Adam Carolla. Oh cool. Trying to nail down the time
4: for that. Cool. All this hour.
0: Armstrong and Getty. The Armstrong and Getty
1: Show. Yeah, look, I've been a strong advocate for safely getting our kids back in person for instruction. I have four young kids myself. I've been living
4: through Zoom school and all of the challenge related to it. It's brutal. We put out a detailed proposal to our legislature. It's brutal.
1: There
3: holy crap that's That the,
1: lying liar that's the actual audio and you have not been an advocate for getting kids back in school that is an out and out lie the thing about your kids lying that your kids are because <laughs> his kids are in a actually in class um and have been but uh that's a lie but it's a different kind of lie to say i've been an advocate for getting kids back in school wow a lying creep you have been the number one impediment to getting kids back in school California is 49th in getting kids back in school live yeah. among the 50 states. How do you like that. What
3: we lead
1: the country in diversity and education and forward thinking. All right, whatever. Well, I he actually get... said,
3: he actually said I've been an advocate for getting our kids back in school. He meant his kids cuz his kids have been <laughs> in private school in person for months.
1: So, uh, I don't wanna, I don't want to get off on that again. I will uh, uh, uh. That just makes I know me it. so freaking mad I know um, uh, March Madness going on The NCAA Basketball Tournament Let's get a couple of games in right now As Sean does every year Where it's mascot versus mascot So
2: yes, this is from the first four We have the, uh, the battle to see who wins the right To be the 16th seed Between uh, the Appalachian State Mountaineers And mm-hmm. the Norfolk State Spartans now, Boy, Spartan, a mountaineer versus a Spartan—a matchup. A mountaineer that seems like a, an explorer, right? Definitely has some self-defense oh, mechanisms. You, you gotta they, be tough. To yeah, be a mountaineer. yeah. You, you're yeah. rugged. You're tough. But the Spartans—the Battle of Thermopylae—you <laughs> know it was only 300 took out took on all those Persians. Yeah. I, I, I give the edge to the Spartan
1: here. Yeah, people talk been talking about uh, the, the the people of Sparta. As warriors for yeah. thousands of years, so. They're both probably armed
3: with knives and spears and that sort of thing, but and yeah, you gotta, gotta, gotta like the give the edge to the Spartans. So now, uh,
2: now we'll jump over to, this is the Battle of the Eleventh Seed, now this is another one of the, I don't know why there's a play in for the Eleventh Seed, it doesn't, whatever, but this is, what? this is the reality that we live in. Yeah. <laughs>
1: um, uh, we have the. I take the world as it is, not as how I would have it be.
2: We have the Drake Bulldogs taking on the Wichita State Shockers. Boy, now, these
1: are not traditional matchups—a bulldog versus a shocker, whatever that is. Now, <laughs> if if the shocker were some
2: sort of Marvel superhero that could shoot electricity out of its fingers, it would be very difficult for this mascot to lose any battle against any mascot across the land. But it is not that, Jack. It is a shock of wheat. It is a farm crop. <laughs> And I don't. Th- I-, I think the Bulldogs are just going to urinate all over this farm crop, mark its territory, and the Drake Bulldogs
3: advance. They are the 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 11th seed. It's a lock. <laughs> uh,
1: how much time have I got, Michael? Okay, I can do this. I think. So Biden and Xi begin a careful dance, says the New York Times. This is a great article from David Sanger, uh, Long, but I'll just hit you with a couple of highlights. First time today that the Biden administration is meeting with China in this new era where we all recognize what is actually going on. Top administration officials will meet with their Chinese counterparts for the first time on Thursday today as the United States shifts to a more competitive posture. President Biden is engineering a sharp shift in policy toward China, focusing on on gathering allies to counter Beijing's coercive diplomacy around the world and ensuring that China does not gain a permanent advantage in critical technologies. At first glance, it seems to adopt much of the Trump administration's conviction that the world's two biggest powers are veering dangerously toward confrontation. It's a clear change from the tone of the Obama years. Find that kind of interesting? Well, let me
3: uh, put on my bipartisan hat. It's funny. I found it uh, right behind my bowling bag the other day. I haven't bowled in years. But uh, everybody believed we could get closer to China through economic oh, yeah. interaction
1: a number of years ago. And now virtually everybody understands, no, we can't. But acknowledging that Trump was the first to say it out loud. Yes. Uh, for a Democratic president, the Biden's approach... Biden's approach represents a full reversal from the days of Bill Clinton's assurances and his talks with Chinese university students more than twenty years ago. A wealthier, interconnected China would become a more democratic and pluralistic one. President, President Barack Obama's talk of managing China's peaceful rise is also gone. Today, there seems to be a broad agreement that U.S.-China relations have not only reached the lowest point since the country's 1949 communist revolution, but they threaten to grow even worse. Oh boy. Henry Kissinger, the man who cleared the way for America's opening to China nearly 50 years ago, said shortly after Mr. Biden was elected that the United States and China were increasingly drifting toward confrontation. The danger, he said, at a Bloomberg conference in November, is that some crisis will occur that will go beyond rhetoric and into actual military conflict. Um, and they're going to sit down today and have a conversation with everybody knowing that that that's the direction we're going. We're at a low point in relations, and the idea that you're going to become, you know, a country like the United States, that's over.
3: Well, they probe and they probe and they probe, and they've found softness over and over again in the United States. They will find softness no more, I
1: hope, and I hope that's going to be made clear to them in Alaska. Yeah, I hope so. We'll be watching that story and giving you the update tomorrow on what happens.
0: Armstrong and Getty. The Armstrong
1: and Getty Show. Oh, Joe was mocking NFTs. Oh, he had a full head of steam on his mockery. Yep, 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 I'm, yep. Until,
3: I'm in the room.
1: Until <laughs> I'm right here. Until Sean yesterday made $6,000. Wow. Off an NFT. What the heck are those things? What is that even? We'll explain that in a second. But first, a completely different topic. I thought this was really good. I think Jonathan Swan and his outfit Axios is doing some of the best reporting on the border of anywhere. Certainly, the best reporter among uh, any news outlet that um, uh, trying to be fair that isn't ideological to start with that doesn't already have a, a point of view. And there aren't many of them. And there aren't many of those. But this this is what Jonathan Swan said is the situation currently.
0: That would never say this publicly, but. It's easy to say these things on the campaign trail. It's easy to make big, sweeping statements about immigration. It's very easy to criticise Trump. But much harder to actually develop a coherent and effective border and immigration policy. And, you know, there are two parts to this. Well, there's really three parts. One is rhetoric. Biden, during the campaign, used rhetoric that would have made a lot of uh, desperate people south of the border wanting to come and believing that they'll be let in. And then he reversed a really important policy that Trump had in place, Title 42, for unaccompanied minors. This was using the pandemic as a public health measure to turn them away. Now they're coming in and the problem was, again, a lot of this was very foreseeable, which makes you wonder why if this was foreseeable, they didn't have uh, proper structures in place to deal with it. These kids are being put into border patrol stations, which are basically glorified jail cells, sometimes more than 72 hours. Then they're in HHS custody. They don't have proper facilities for them. More and more are coming. This problem's not not getting better, it's getting worse. And then to say, well, come later, it's not really a deterrent. They're not putting in any policies that have a strong deterrent effect. So all these things are combining to create I think probably the most serious uh, problem for Biden in his early presidency. Uh,
1: and jail cells for longer than the allotted time. Well, jail cells are similar to, uh, what would be another word uh, Word you mm, could use for jail cell? Cages? Cage maybe?
3: Yeah, I think he nailed it, and that's what we've been saying all along too. The message was unmistakable. Come on in. All those memes. Mean- racist policies we're going to end all of them and they got exactly the flood that
1: could have been predicted how much rhetoric for years by how many candidates about the evil evil clearly racist the only reason you would put kids in cages like this is racism no person with a heart could do that it's happening right right now right you know why because it's a difficult problem you got a bunch of people want to come into this country we can't let them all in let's be grown-ups about figuring this out and quit claiming it's racism that caused uh, what was going on before. And it's you just have ridiculous. hundreds of
3: thousands of families so desperate to get into the country, they are tossing their kids across the border.
1: Yeah. Um, so we talked about NFTs a couple of weeks ago, had trouble wrapping our heads around it. It's a non-fungible token. Trans- token. token. And, As uh,
2: compared to a Bitcoin, which is a fungible token, every Bitcoin that you exchange for another Bitcoin, in theory, is exactly the
3: same amount. Okay, so these are electronic doodads that don't exist,
1: except electronic, and a piece of electronic art sold for digitally a piece of digital art sold for sixty some million dollars last week. You could get an exact copy of it digitally; would it be exactly the same? But it's not the official one,
2: serialized, licensed, or so whatever. It's not
1: yeah, worth sixty two million dollars. Sean's been buying these like it's like buying a, a pack of baseball cards, like I used to do as a kid, and you hope there's a, a Hank Aaron in there. There never was. But you bought a, a pack of NBA moments. Moments, yes, uh,
2: from the company called Top Shots. That's the that's the company that's making basketball card NFTs.
1: And you paid two hundred dollars for a pack. Well, yes. you had to get in a line with hundreds of thousands of other people. Yes,
2: I won the I quote unquote won quote unquote the right to buy a two hundred dollar pack of digital moments, uh, and I was able to sell one of those moments for six thousand
1: dollars. Whoa. <laughs> wow. And did you did, that's not Bitcoin yet. That's real money. You can turn that into cash. Uh, yeah, yeah, I can. Yeah. yeah, I can withdraw that into okay. my
2: I, with any. I have that value in my account and I can withdraw okay. it through
3: Bitcoin or actual bank transfers or whatever. What was, was the clip like LeBron James greatest dunk or what? I know the answer to this, but this this is the most interesting aspect. Even
1: even that though, you could watch it anywhere you want. Right. Um, uh, but the, the
2: the bigger name stars do have more value to their moments. This player was not that. He is a young player. The thing that made my moment so valuable was that the serial number happened to align
1: with the jersey number of the player that the moment was about. And somebody decided that if you get the serial number that's the player's jersey number, it's worth more.
2: Yeah, this is the same reason. Well, the number one is worth more for whatever reason that the quote-unquote market has has decided, but that tends to hold pretty consistent throughout all of the moments. That the 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 number ones are worth more than the number fifties, gotcha.
3: and the jerseys are worth more than anything, but the number one. Well, bless my suspenders and smear my ears with peanut butter. I do not understand the modern world.
1: So I was trying to explain this to a couple people yesterday uh, who had never even heard of this, and uh, popped into my head. I think this is a helped me understand it. If I want to get a first edition copy of Catcher in the Rye, it might cost me five thousand dollars. I can get a copy of Catcher in the Rye at the bookstore for $11. It's exactly the same thing. I mean, Uh it's the same words, and that's the only thing that really exists with the book is the words. But the first edition copy, for just kind of magic of the mind, this was the first edition came out, is worth a lot of money. It's very similar to that, isn't it?
3: Yeah, except there's. Why do people want a first edition copy of The Catcher in the Rye? Because it's uh, allegedly a brilliant
1: work of art. Some dude dribbling up court is not a brilliant work of anything. Well, okay, that's when you have to take it into the baseball card arena. You know why? Why is a baseball card worth so much? Because there's a limited number of it. I can download a picture of that very same baseball card. It's it's so yeah. A lot of it is in your mind. Of course. Oh, yeah. yeah I, diamonds, gold, all of it.
2: Yeah, I think it's a combination of that Catcher in the Rye first edition mindset with the kind of beanie digital Beanie Babies Six weird grand. thing.
1: grand. Yeah.
3: <laughs> There's another pack drop today. I'm trying to get in on that. Uh, I don't blame you. Do you need an investor? <laughs> a, uh, I almost bought a first edition copy of uh, A Christmas Carol, but I'm too cheap. It's expensive, too. It's pretty pretty high, but I'd love to own it. I don't know why. What does it matter? Mm. I don't know why, but I picture
2: books were bigger back then. Is that true? Actually, like how
1: big? Like four feet by three feet? <laughs> like wizard
2: tomes. They all have like the ribbon <laughs> bookmark attached to it. right? That's kind of what I picture. No. Any book made before, I don't know, the 60s. <laughs> I just picture that.
3: Right. It was, as uh, Dickens uh, described it, a little ghost story, and it was actually quite a little book. Uh, Here's a big deal. Car Shield, they're going to help save you from paying thousands for a covered repair. Your AC goes out all of a sudden. You've been saving your money for something nice, vacation, your kid's tuition, whatever. Then all of a sudden, it's got to
1: go into a car repair. That sucks, man. That sucks. Maybe you're worried about a breakdown in your Corolla, not your Adam Corolla, which we'll be talking to coming up in just a few minutes. Yes, uh, but your Corolla, maybe it's gone out of warranty and you need car shield or whatever a car. That's the perfect sweet spot for a car shield is people who got a car and it was under warranty and now the warranty's about to run out or it just ran out. Now you got protection. Now you can breathe the sigh of relief that you can go to your favorite mechanic and get the work done when you have a problem. You also get roadside assistance, rental coverage, trip reimbursement, all at no additional charge. Go to
3: carshield.com, use the code Armstrong to save 10%. A deductible may apply. Go to carshield.com, use the code Armstrong, and check this thing out. See if it's for you. Carshield.com, the code Armstrong.
1: Uh Adam Carolla, in just a few minutes, uh, we've always liked talking to him. He's got one of the most popular podcasts in the world. His books are
3: really good, too. They're fun.
1: A 5-4 decision by the state Supreme Court in Washington found that their drug possession statute is unconstitutional. Do you know what that means?
3: I do not. I have not followed this story. Mm -hmm. I will dig into it. Might have to look into that. What are we going to talk to Adam Carolla about? The state of the world. You know what I love about Adam is he's not a super educated guy, but he's a super smart guy. Mm -hmm. He's like street smart, practical smart for instance, he's too smart to use the word smart as many times as I did in that sentence. He would never do that.
1: <laughs> I know he's got a, a show coming up in Reno, and I was going to ask him, have you been doing stand up this whole time? Or have you been, has it been closed? Or are there places in America that were open? I don't even know the answer to that question. Anyway, we'll be talking with Adam Carolla on the way next.
4: Armstrong and Getty.
0: The
4: Armstrong and Getty
1: Show. Do you remember Drag Queen Story Hour? That became a cultural conversation for a while, and uh, it just so happens it's in you know out of came out of a town we know well, Sacramento, California, and uh, it was where it got its most publicity, I guess. But anyway, there is an update in that story that is pretty interesting. Uh, So we'll have that for you in just a little bit.
3: Hey, and we can dig more into that poll, the difference uh, in the knowledge, levels, and beliefs about COVID among Democrats and Republicans. It's crazy.
1: So we've been fans of Adam Carolla for quite a few years, and we know a lot of our listeners have, too. Comedian, TV personality, radio personality. He's done movies and books, all kinds of different stuff, and still travels around the country doing stand-up doing a bunch
3: of shows in Reno this weekend at the Virginia Street Brew House go see him he just had to add another show cuz he's so damned popular hello adam how are you
4: hi i'm a big fan i listen to you guys every morning out here on uh, 790 oh stop and, it. yeah
1: so
3: the, well, now I'm going to be all nervous and I'll suck <laughs> even more than usual.
1: So the Virginia street <laughs> brew house in Reno actually like has human beings inside a building. We live in California. That thing is not happening here. So they're actually open there.
4: Yeah, they're actually, they're actually open. It's like a dinner thing. So it's not uh, a club, you know, a stand up like a traditional standup thing. Cause, uh, God forbid we open uh, California and just any, I mean, the rules are so ridiculous. You know, I'm out here in Burbank, California, a friend of mine from high school runs this uh, kind of honky tonk eatery called Tinhorn Flats. He stayed right. open for outdoor dining during, it's, it's literally up the street from where I am right now. I ate there with my son during the outdoor dining ban. And uh, they've shut his electricity and now they padlocked his doors. And for for stuff they were wrong about and had no evidence to substantiate, you know, outdoor dining was was dangerous. It's now punitive. It's now we've now crossed them. It's time to be punished and they're gonna set they're gonna send a message to any other taxpayers and job creators who dare defy them.
1: Yeah, we did that story the other day. I didn't know it was your buddy's place, but um, so freaking maddening to me. So you you, uh, you make it uh, illegal to open outdoor with no evidence to back up why. Then when you violate that, then they can shut you down for violating health rules. I mean, that sounds like the Soviet Union.
4: Right. And it's it basically, you know, it's one thing to have the government say, well, we have a health inspector and we have some standards and we have to check for rodents in your kitchen. Sure. This is them saying, drop and give me 20. And you go, what, why should I do that? And they go, well, you'd like to keep your license. You'd like to keep your electrical open. They should be apologizing to every business they shut down for a month who already bent over backwards to accommodate them with outdoor dining. They should send over a fruit basket to every business they shut down with zero evidence. I talked to Dr. Drew yesterday. He said there is no cases of outdoor transmission. Zero. Doesn't exist.
1: How long did you go without doing stand-up, or did you find places around the country that were still open?
4: I just found places around the country that were open. Okay. I've been to Texas. I've, I've performed in Texas three times, Oklahoma City. Nashville, I've been all over the country. Any place that's open, I go.
1: That's wild, because I live in one of the early counties to close in America, and, and, (laughs) I mean, there's been nothing happening in my county for like a year, but, you know, such as being a Californian.
3: You know, I forgot to mention that Adam's show is entitled Adam Carolla is Unprepared. Have you ever noticed (laughs) that the title of your show makes any difference? I mean, if it was called Adam Carolla Shows You His Schwanz or Adam Carolla Beats the Hell Out of Your Grandmother or anything, (laughs) does does that matter?
4: I did do Adam Carolla Beats the Hell Out of Your Grandmother, and it was actually sold-out shows people showing up with their nanas there are more people that don't like their grandparents than, than do like their grandparents it turns out statistically. You know?
3: that's beautiful oh my god and adam's new book is i am your emotional support animal hey I, just to go backward for a second and not to get all uh poly people but the point i'd like to make on the show a lot on our radio show because it's important to know this, is our system of government was not designed because everybody loves liberty. It was designed because a lot of people are sheep and they want a king, and the founding papas knew it, so they designed a system that the majority couldn't vote their own rights away.
4: Yeah, oh. Wait, hold on. Can you hear me?
3: Yeah, we can. Yep,
4: we can now. Can you, sorry.
1: Are you okay? Oh,
3: what? Yeah, you glitched out, as you were saying, Joe. That's Thanks. the single smartest thing I've ever heard in my life. <laughs> <laughs> we'll, we'll get over it. That's all right. Uh, go see Adam Carolla at the Virginia Street House in Reno this weekend. Uh, if you can't figure out how to get tickets, you probably can't afford them, but you can call 775-750-4800. That's 775-750-4800.
1: We appreciate your time today, Adam. It's always good to talk to you.
4: Thanks, guys. I always like to be on the show.
1: Thank right. you. Hey, have
3: some great shows, too. Go kill them.
1: For a while, clearly. It's always great to be on the show for a while.
3: <laughs> he took another call. I don't, I don't know what happened. Hey, there.
1: look, Jimmy Kimmel's on the line. <laughs> Who can blame him? Uh, yeah, so that's interesting. That's a high school buddy of his running that um, uh, restaurant, bar, whatever it is, in L.A. That They actually turned off their power. You know, and, that, f- and that idea of having a law that's ridiculous, and then when you violate the law, prosecuting you for not following laws, I yeah. find to be just
3: hilarious. Bringing you to your knees. It was funny, uh, uh, Kevin, I think it was Kevin, sent us a contrast. The, uh, the locks on the doors at the uh Flats yeah. in Burbank. And then uh, stop by the uh, Colhaney's Irish Pub in Jacksonville, Florida, to celebrate St. Patrick's Day. And look, the governor dropped by. So there you have it. Two states, similar COVID stats, similar climates, the rest of it. One, the governor's at a bar. The other one, the governor has padlocked a bar and is trying to bring the proprietor to his knees for daring to resist his edicts. There
1: you go. Well, and that governor will go to bars and restaurants uh, if it's secret. And his kids are in class in school. That's a good point. So I, I tease this, so I want to get it on. I don't know if there are a bunch of Drag Queen Story Hour programs around the country or one or what. I can't quite figure that out, but I'll just hit you with the headline. President of Drag Queen Story Hour. Well, what is that, in case people don't know? It's to people cross-dressing drag queens
3: who then read books to children. and dressed up as a fairy princess or whatever, but it's it, a dude.
1: And at least locally for me, where it was a hot spot of a cultural war, was uh, it was at the library. So you had uh, uh, men in women's clothes reading books to your kid, and, you know, is that okay? We were supposed to be all excited about that, yeah. We were supposed to be either super angry or super excited that kids are learning about diversity. Either way, president of Drag Queen Story Hour Foundation and a children's court judge arrested on seven counts of child porn. Oh, lovely. Lovely. Brett Baum, 38, was arrested on Tuesday for allegedly uploading 27 Im- images and videos of children being sexually abused. Um, uh, so that person is a monster. President and CEO of the Cream City Foundation, which runs a drag queen story hour for children. And is uh, also involved in this children's court thing, which I don't quite understand what that is. But anyway, and and he and his partner have two adopted kids, which could be a horror also. So there's wow. a good I'm not going to make the argument I'm not not even tr- close to trying to make the argument that anybody drag is a pedophile or anything like that there's any connection whatsoever but in terms of the culture war battle that just gave a lot of ammunition for the people that say no I don't want that at my public library for instance
3: yeah yep so we have <clears throat> indirectly figured out virtually all of the weirdness uh, in America, in terms of COVID policy, why some people are so intent on keeping the schools closed, some so intent on opening them, some so willing to give up all the rights, as we were discussing with Adam, uh, and, and some so hardcore against it. The gulf in knowledge and opinion among Democrats and Republicans is astonishing. And what many Democrats believe about the dangers of COVID explains it all. It's partly just being knee-jerk against everything Trump says. It's partly just not having any idea what
1: we're dealing with. And we're going to deal with a lot of this in the future. If we're all getting our information from sources that feed us what we want to hear, we're going to end up with these kind of gulfs on every issue. It's really pretty troubling. I don't know how you move forward as a nation once you hear this.
4: Armstrong and Getty.